There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Middlesbrough in the Championship to my Ipswich in League One. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, you are at a festival. How the hell is it? It's it's actually very, very good. It's very loud. A lot of beer being drunk. Um, I'm actually not at the festival, otherwise I'd be in a tent. Uh, I'm in a hotel room because I'm too precious to, uh, to stay outdoors. You're too upper class. <laughs> we're definitely not that <laughs> <laughs> which festival is it? it's Neighbourhood Weekender in Warrington but I'm actually in Liverpool so I'm joining live from Liverpool oh, ok that's interesting mm. who's performing at the I've already forgotten what the festival's called <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's three seconds ago this bodes well for an episode um, Joe Cinnamon played on Friday um, Sam Fender and Reverend in the Makers played yesterday James were headlining but if you were born before 2000 you have no idea no, born after two thousand. You have no idea who they are. Um, and then, see, what what do James do after they perform? Sit down. They we all sit down. <laughs> do they just play <laughs> sit down over and over again? Yeah, yeah. well, that, it's funny. Like, that's the only two songs that anybody knew. We didn't actually stay for that set. So we went elsewhere. Yeah, okay. Fair I, I'm not. I, I'm I, not going to spend an hour shitting on James. By the way, <laughs> I, I've only heard of two of the. Exactly. That you've just mentioned. So uh, at least you're enjoying yourself. That's oh, what lovely. matters, Justin. Do you want to have a quick chat about some championship news, especially from uh, transfer deadline day? If we have to. Yeah, go on, let's do it. Welcome to the number one championship specific podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It's the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, that's right. We're going to run through all the transfer business from the final few days of the transfer window because. It ended up being a lot busier than I was mm. expecting it to be. I thought this was going to be a nice Q&A episode, but there was so much transfer business that we've got to dedicate half the show just talking about that. Uh, then we'll have a Q&A after that. You've sent in your questions on Twitter, and then we'll go through some of the news from the past week as well. Then finish off with the Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight right at the end. So, Justin, let's dive headfirst into the transfer business from the last week. And after their terrible start to the season, Sheffield United have been very keen to strengthen. They brought in loan signings. Morgan Gibbs-White from Wolves, Conor Hurahan from Villa and goalkeeper Robin Olsen from Roma. Justin, your thoughts? Well, Robin Olsen's a, a good pickup because there was, I think it was after the Euros in 2016 or, or, or the World Cup in 2014 that he was very sought after after quite a, a good tournament. Um, and obviously couple of big, big clubs were sniffing around him not quite transpired for him at the top level but he's still a good keeper at championship level you imagine and obviously he was back up at Everton last season on loan so that's that's a good signing and it, and it fills that Ramsdale hole he left because what's what's been in place there at the minute hasn't quite been good 
to be blunt. Um, Conor Hurahan, really, yeah, it's been not, it's not, it's, it's been bad. Um, Conor Hurahan, we know championship wise, quite easily can be one of the most consistent performers in the in the division. Um, playoff finalists two seasons in a row while, while he was playing in the in the championship, so that's a very good pickup. And Gibbs White, um, I think he 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 feels a very he feels a massive creative hole for Sheffield United that they don't currently have. McGoldrick's doing his best to fill that, but he's a, he's a nice link up between whoever plays central midfield for for Sheffield United, whether that's Norwood or Berg. He's a nice link up between the forward play um, and that and that middle three or that or that midfield. So not bad. It could have been a lot better. It should have been a lot earlier um, the business, but they did this whole some some justice there towards the end. Yeah, I'm looking at Gibbs White, and I think he is exactly what they need someone to fill that gap between uh, the forward men and the midfield so that makes sense and he looked like he was going to be a fantastic player for Swansea last season before he got injured and then uh, Wolves recalled him for some reason and he just didn't play Mm. in the Premier League but he needs a spell in the Championship to really help his career progress Conor Hoorahan I don't think they really need him because as you say they've got Norwood they've got Berger they've got Flex so do they really need another deep lying playmaker I'm, I'm not too sure but they brought him in anyway and then Robin Olsen as we say yeah they definitely needed a new goalkeeper because the two lads who have had a go so far don't really look up to starting every game this season so it makes sense I mean Robin Olsen he cost Roma 12 million quid not too long ago so he's definitely got a lot of calibre at this level I just wonder whether Sheffield United need wingers because it seems like there's a bit of a standoff between Jukanovic and the board in the way that he wants to play with wingers. So far, we've seen Osborne and Fleck playing as the wide men, and they're not really wingers, are they? So, no. why they haven't gone out to get wingers, I'm not too sure. But the players that they have brought in, sort uh, they they work in a particular system, which would be the mm-hmm. three at the back playing with no wingers. So, we'll we'll have to see whether this works out. Obviously, they've had a crap start to the season a really crap start to the season uh, but these are definitely players with a lot of calibre at this level let's go to a signing which really I, I did not see coming at all Justin Bournemouth they've signed Jamal Lowe from Swansea they've also signed Ryan Christie from Celtic but I think Jamal Lowe is the really interesting one isn't it because as I say I just did not see this one coming well Jamal Lowe was going to Blackburn at one point wasn't he Um I think the the question you have to ask is why are Swansea selling in their current situation? Why are they selling so low? It's a great pickup for Bournemouth because they get a player who can play out wide, they get a player who can play up front, um, he can play in a, a different systems as we saw um, with Wigan under Paul Cook. Let me, let me stop you saw. there though because the, the question that I had when I saw this move is do Bournemouth really need him? Because they've now got quite a few wingers and I, I just don't think he's actually going to play that much. Well, this is what I'm trying to say is he offers a lot of flexibility in the systems that they can play because we saw that he can play um, in the front two with Swansea. We, he can play as a, um, a wide player, as we saw at Wigan. There's that flexibility there. And as well as that, he's a player who scored 15 goals last season first for Swansea in a team that didn't attack very often. So can you imagine if Bournemouth you know, released the shackles off, off loan, what he can do in a team that... Um, are a lot more productive going forward. I think it's a, a great pickup at one and a half million pounds as well. He's a steal for again a player who hit double figures last season. It's absolutely bizarre that Swansea have allowed that to go so cheaply. It's a strange one, but a good tra- a good signing I think for Bournemouth. I really do strength in depth as well. Let's be honest. 
I, I do like Jamal though. I just think he is a bit inconsistent. He seems to have five good games in a row and then be quiet for the next 15. So he, he needs to try and find that balance. But one thing that you could say is he plays better in a side that is playing well. He's not the kind of player you look to when your side isn't Spain. playing very well. Yeah. Um, but as I say, I just feel like Bournemouth have got so many wingers now and I'd be picking Dom Solanke over Jamalo every day up front. So I, I, for one and a half million, that's a bargain that is pretty much too good to turn down. And then Ryan Christie from Celtic, he likes to play behind the striker, doesn't he? And adds a bit of depth in that hole because at the moment they've got Mark Condes billing, um, but they would probably be a bit better suited to playing a bit deeper maybe um, mm-hmm. so decent moves for Swansea I, I don't really know what they're thinking letting go of Jamalo for one and a half million pounds let's talk about them now Justin because they've been very busy on the last day of the season haven't they they brought in Michael Oberfemi on a permanent deal from Southampton along with Oliver Encham from Celtic Reese Williams has also joined on loan from Liverpool so I'm guessing Oberfemi is a direct replacement for Jamalo You'd hope so. You'd hope so. Again, another player is going to Blackburn at one point. Really, <laughs> got to feel sorry for Blackburn in this window, haven't you? Um, but again, that's that's a good pickup because every time he's played for Southampton, when he's had cameo appearances, he's actually done pretty well, and he's he's picked up a couple of goals here and there as well. Uh, he's a player who needs a, a settled home, and I think Russell Martin and Swansea is a good place for him to develop. We've seen how players can develop there, so one and a half million pounds. That's a that's a good investment. Um, direct replacement for Jamalo, you'd, you'd have thought so. I think they'll they'll play two up front in that in that three five two system. Um, Swansea will, so he's gonna he's gonna partner Pyro definitely, hopefully. Um, and I, I think he can play out wide as well. I can't say I know too much about him, but I think Swansea have been all right in bringing players in, but again, players going out just a strange one. Yeah, well, it has been a strange one because Connor Roberts has also left to go to Burnley. That one I think was kind of expected because it seemed like Russell Martin <coughs> preferred Ethan Laird. Um, at right wing back and there wasn't really much of the room for Conor Roberts despite him being the best right back in the championship last season <laughs> so that one was probably expected but I think Oberfemi is a good pickup because Swansea are desperately in need of goals aren't they they've got Joel Pirro at the moment who has started the season quite well to be fair to him but yes. they need goals to be coming in from elsewhere because otherwise I'd be getting a bit worried about the old Swans the only other thing I'd say is their squad turnover compared to last season is pretty extreme now because now they've got rid of Lowe and Roberts and when you look at the side that started in the playoff final last Mm. season then I I can't think off the top of my head but you're talking about two or three players who are still left from that starting 11 aren't you so it's pretty extreme but they have managed to keep hold of Matt Grimes which I think quite a few Swansea fans would have been very happy about if you told them that at the start of the transfer window Troy Deeney He's gone back to his boy... I say he's gone back, he's never actually been there, but he's gone to his boyhood side, uh, Birmingham. Just This is the kind of move that just melts your heart, isn't it? Because it's about, it's a lad who started off in non-league, big Birmingham fan when he was a kid, and he's continued to be a Birmingham fan throughout his professional career. And now, despite him being a ripe old age now, he's now playing for his boyhood side. I'll, I'll admit this. I never, knew, I never knew who was a Birmingham City fan. Well, he's got a big tattoo on his leg, and I knew he was from the West Midlands because that, that twang that he's got is 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 so recognisable, isn't it? Um, but as you say, it, it's a move that melts your heart, and um, I think under Lee Bowie and the system he's going to put in place, it's a very good 
transfer for Birmingham City and, and Troy Deeney. I think he's going to score a fair few goals. Him and Jukovic up front potentially is... Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing things in my head now. It's absolutely terrifying. The carnage they're going to cause in the area um, it, it is going to be frightening for a lot of defences, I imagine. But um, a, a lot of the content Birmingham City are putting out as well was, uh, again, heartwarming. Very, very, very good move. I'm interested to see who he does play up front with because it's been Jukovic and Scott Hogan for most of this season so far, hasn't it? Um, will they play Duke and Dini at the same time? I'm not too sure because that seems like... It's got to happen. Well, you've got two strikers doing pretty much the same thing if you do that, aren't you? So, uh, for it, Birmingham like to put crosses into the box, don't they? And that's been working wonders for him so far this season. Troy Dean is the kind of striker that you want to put in crosses to. Um, so, yeah, why not? It, it's a move that makes sense for all parties, isn't it? Because Dean is going back to a club um, that he's supported his whole life. Um, things haven't worked out at Watford in recent seasons, so he needs a new start. This is a chance for him to show that he's still got it at this level. Um, he's not going to be taken over as captain, which I thought was an interesting point as well. Andre Gray, he's joined QPR. Are you a fan of that, Justin? I actually am, um, mainly because he's got a very good record in West London. Um, but obviously, you know, we, I mean, we criticised Gray at times last season at Watford because he was quite wasteful. Um, but I think this is a move that would get the best out of him. As I say, good record, good record in West London for Brentford. Um, it's a different kind of striker that QPR now have. They've got they've got the three types of striker. They've got a target man, they've got a poacher, and they've got a pacey. Um, pressing forward shall we say in, in Andre Gray so the holy trinity of forwards at, at QPR very experienced players as well which is again a massive massive plus for, for them yeah, he's going to score quite a few goals I think this season it's, it's a move that makes sense isn't it, in terms of adding depth and um, yeah that I, I, I'm a fan of the move I don't think he's going to play that much because I think Austin and Dykes are ahead of him in the pecking order but it's good to have you know an experienced player uh, just behind them Reading seem to think it's 2015 They've signed Danny Drinkwater and Scott Dan. Of course, I'm just joshing, but it is quite funny as well that they've signed Baba Rahman and Alan Hilalovic, who back in 2015 were probably two of the biggest, hottest prospects in a world football in their respective positions. But there you go. But Drinkwater and Dan, a bit of much needed experience, Justin? Scott Dan, I think, is a good pickup for any club in the Championship with his experience, as you say. Um, Danny Drinkwater. He's not played many games over the last few years, no. so it's and he's in a position that demands um, a lot of running, as we know, in central midfield. So it's going to be interesting to see how he he settles into the side. Hopefully, he can get back to his best because if he gets back to his best, there's a title-winning player there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's a it's an interesting move for sure, and one that certainly uh, we'll be looking at with intrigue. But um, I think they've they they you can tell they're operating under an embargo, can't you? So. Not, not too good, not too bad. I think Scott Dunn's a pretty decent pickup. He played 15 games in the Premier League last season. And we're not talking him coming off the bench. We're talking him starting those games as well. So, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it looks a really decent pickup. Reading need to get better at the back. Uh, that's clear to see. And they've signed Rahman now, who fills the Omar Richards gap. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got it left back. And now Scott Dan, very, very experienced defender, who has been quality for... A number of years now it surprises me that there wasn't more clubs trying to get his signature really so mm. yeah I think that's a really really impressive pickup for them and will hopefully plug those leaky holes that have been uh, appearing during the first few games of the season for Reading at the back 
Um, I, I, I'm surprised they haven't signed a striker. I've got to say because at the moment mm. Lucas Yao's out injured, and the only striker they've got is George Puskas, who, mm. as we know, has never really worked out at Championship level. So, the fact that they've not brought in another forward man is a bit of a cause for concern, especially with them conceding as many goals as they have been doing. I think they are hopefully going to tighten up and try and get one one nil wins, two one wins, etc. Because obviously, as you say, not having that that strength and depth up front. Can, can pay dividends um, throughout the season so hopefully yeah, they, they improve defensively and we can start seeing results Interestingly, according to reports Velko Panovic has been the one in charge of transfers because the CEO is inexperienced mm. which makes me wonder how good. the CEO got the job but there you go <laughs> Preston have brought in Josh Murphy on loan from Cardiff and midfielder Ali McCann from St Johnston um, I think Murphy's a really exciting signing Justin but <laughs> Preston right they've had this big striker shaped hole for so long and the one position they don't need to strengthen is central midfield so why have they signed Mm. another centre midfielder it makes absolutely no sense to me Ali McCann may end up being a fantastic signing I don't know too much about him because I don't watch Scottish football that much and I, I, I just look at why have you signed another centre midfielder that's the one position you don't need to strengthen Preston why are you doing this to yourselves sign a striker it just makes me pull my hair out Justin that's the reason why Preston aren't going to progress as a football club because they need a striker they've needed a striker all summer and they haven't signed one why I, I've got nothing to add that was um, that was quite the rant you're quite right they didn't need to strengthen in central midfield um, I have read up on Ali McCann and he's, he's performed quite well for St. Johnson in in um, the European competitions for them um, over the summer so he's a good prospect but as you say did they need another central midfielder they have 42 they could have done with a forward just a striker that's all you need it's so obvious I could go in there and <coughs> sign a striker it's, it's not rocket sign. <laughs> wow <laughs> Onel Hernandez has gone to Middlesbrough on loan from Norwich joining him is this is going to be a test for me Andras Sparar from Sporting Lisbon and James Lear Siliki from Rennes uh, Hernandez someone we do know about a good signing it's a bit of a maverick isn't he I think Norwich fans have said there'd be times where he plays very very well and there are times very, where he plays very very poor but again Neil Warnock is, is, is a nice blend isn't it because he gets that those very poor performances up to a, an average performance which means consistency is a lot better so I think it's a good pick up and again um, a little bit extra for, for borrowing the attacking uh, attacking positions yeah yeah, he, he was a really good player when Norwich got promoted a few, uh, three or four seasons ago now um, and then last season he played more of a cameo role off the bench but yeah good player at championship level the big headline for Middlesbrough though on deadline day was Sam Morsey is leaving to drop down the division and go to Ipswich which raised many eyebrows because mm-hmm. you're talking about a holding midfielder in the championship who is a very good holding midfielder in the championship dropping down to League One yeah I mean it's obvious isn't it that he's gone to reunite with Paul Cook but as I, for me Morsey was a very nice piece of the jigsaw for Borough he was a good ball winning midfielder they lost Savile as well let's bear in mind well I didn't lose him but he's, he's gone to Millwall so there seems to be a bit of a 
a big hole there for, for Borough now. They're, they're relying on the likes of Housen, maybe McNeil, step into midfield. Um, yeah, it was, it's yeah, very strange one for me um, because again, he's he was the he acts like a glue for midfield, doesn't he? He wins the ball back. He gives it to your creative players, and there's a lot more creative players at Borough now than there was last season, for example. So, yeah, really, really strange. I'm not a big fan of that move at all, to be honest with you. No, well, Morsey clearly wanted to, as you say, link up with Paul Cook, didn't he? And it's one hell of a signing for Ipswich. It really is. <laughs> Just taking a bit of a diversion. They've also signed Bernard Salina, who's another player I look at as a very good <laughs> Championship player. So, they've got one hell of a squad, and considering they haven't won a game yet in League One, is a quite embarrassing um, but yeah uh, Morsey leaving from Middlesbrough that causes an issue I remember Johnny Bullock um, from the Borough Breakdown podcast he was saying on deadline day that he should not be leaving so uh, a bit of cause for concern there for Borough but they have got players who can fill that hole Fulham have brought in Watford duo Nathaniel Chalabar and Domingos Quina um, when I saw these moves I was like do you really need them? That's the only thing I could really say when uh, I, I saw these transfers, Justin. Keane is a bit of a ball winner, isn't he? So he's, he added something different to that uh, Fulham midfield. And Gisa leaving again leaves a bit of a hole where Shalaba's going to come in and fill. Um, we know what Shalaba can do. He became a very good box-to-box midfielder for Watford last season as opposed to a sort of a, a deep-lying anchor um, style of player. So, you know, whether he operates as that box-to-box number eight or as a as a number six for example it remains to be seen but I think they're both good signings and gives a little bit more depth into that full midfield um, that they don't currently have in terms of style of players so I don't think they're bad signings they're very good signings I think actually I think they're very good signings as I say I just don't think Fulham really need them because they've got a million other options who can play midfield but uh, you know Chalibur was fantastic for Watford last season I'm surprised that he's not playing for them in the Premier League really but uh, there you go not long ago Forrest had been quite quiet in the transfer window <laughs> but have basically lost their minds in the last few days they brought in Jed Spence on loan from Middlesbrough and then made four permanent signings including ex-AC Milan defender Rodrigo Eli or Eli um, that now takes their tally up, Justin, to 77 signings since January 2018. And if my maths serves me correctly, that's, duh, 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 what, six transfer windows in that time? Or was it eight? Either way, you're talking nearly a whole team of players in every transfer window since then. So it's just remarkable, isn't it, how Forrester just taking this approach still where it's throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. It's it's panic isn't it it's panic because they can't get the business done early enough um, we know that teams that do get the business done quite early are more successful in the league um, and as as I say they've left it too late again because you've got to then integrate the signings in the transfer win- uh, sorry in the, in the international break you've got to integrate them into the style of play doesn't always work out very quickly um, and they don't get they don't have a, a full pre-season because they've not been playing games for the first few weeks because players that do normally move at the end of a transfer window aren't normally the top top, top players besides so they're fringe players um so yeah it's not it's, it's, it's just really bad long-term planning and um, i expect it to improve under the tutelage of uh, dane murphy over the next season or so it needs to improve we know that but forest also needed players they just need to sign clever don't they Instead of it's quality over quantity, and Forest have not been following that that phrase for quite some time now. Uh, Shea Ojo, he's gone to Millwall on loan. You a fan of that? Oh yeah, definitely. He's a he's a player for me again. Needs to leave Liverpool. 
needs to find a permanent home. If he can perform well this season, chuck a, chuck a couple of million towards his way. I think if he if he's there permanently, you get a lot more out of him, definitely. He was quite good at Cardiff last season, wasn't he? He, he, was. he, he was another he one was. who was inconsistent, but Millwall need a bit extra in that final third, and I think he really adds to that. So a front three now, potentially, of Ojo, Wallace and Afobi is pretty damn tidy. It's very nice. Blackpool have signed in a lone defender, Jujon Sterling from Chelsea, Ryan Wintle from Cardiff and Owen Dale from Crewe. Uh, they've also got Jordan Gabriel from Forest on a permanent the, the, the problem I've got with these signings, Justin, is what we've been saying throughout the whole of the summer. These are good League One signings. And when I look at some of the signings that other clubs have been making, they look like they're in a different league to Blackpool. And that's why I really worry about Blackpool, who I admit in the last couple of games have looked more like a championship side. But as the season goes on, the quality just, I don't think, is there that means they're going to stay up this season I'm not ruling them out from staying up absolutely not but the players that they've made that they brought in over the summer just don't look good enough for me I don't I don't it might be too harsh um, I think Lavery is a player who has surprised me given how you know his, his attributes suit the championship quite well we saw his goal against Millwall for example and he's, he actually scored for Northern Ireland as well in the international break so he's a player who has, has a good prospect he's, he's young as well Jordan Gabriel, I really like that signing. Um, I thought it was very good for Forrest against Derby in the, the game that I watched um, with him at right back, which is why it was a surprise to see him move on. But I think he's a player who could easily transition to, to centre-half over over time. Ryan Winter, I thought, was a good signing for Cardiff. I'm surprised he's left Cardiff on loan. Um, really surprised, actually, because I thought you know, he's, a, he's a very good passer of the ball. I don't think they're bad signings. As you say, it, it, could, be, it could be better. Um, they could be signing championship players or championship players uh, players with championship experience but that comes at a price Blackpool are operating in a different market to a lot of the sides so who they brought in now is is, is fine and we'll see how they progress throughout the season I'm concerned I just don't think it's good enough to stay in the championship this season but they are a group of young players aren't they who they have brought in and they've got room mm. to develop over the course of the season QPR defender Todd Kane has gone to Coventry Lincoln defender Teo Eden has joined Blackburn permanently they've also got in defender Jan Paul Van Heck and winger Reda Kadra from uh, Brighton and then Barnsley have raided Man City and Bayern Munich to get in Claudio Gomez on loan from City and then left back Remy Vita uh, from Bayern so uh, interesting to see how those two do Justin let's have a quick break after that we'll go through some of the questions that you guys have sent in and then talk about some of the news from the past few days Welcome back to the second tier podcast right so we've just gone through all the transfer business from the last few days of the window justin and this was meant to be a q a episode until <laughs> i realized that championship clubs have just gone crazy in the last few days so now we'll finally get on to your questions sorry if we don't get to yours we've only got so much time but keep an eye out in the future for when we have more q a's and we'll start off with a very topical question justin this is from david he asks who had the best and worst transfer window? So I'll start off, if that's all right with you, Justin. It, it, I, I find it tricky to say 
because of embargoes because I, I feel like you've got mm-hmm. to take that into account because otherwise it's very easy to point the finger at you know Derby for example yeah. and say you've still only got 11 players lads um, <laughs> two, two teams stand out for me really I'll start off with one which is Blackburn who have made a couple of moves on a deadline day they've signed T.O. Eden from a Lincoln who I think could end up being a, a good signing there are plenty of people who watch League One a lot more than me who are having rave reviews about him mm-hmm. and they've only bought him in for half a million pounds I think it is don't know anything about the two loan players they brought in I will admit from Brighton but my main concern with them is A, Adam Armstrong's gone and they still look like they could be missing out on a lot of goals with him not being there because they haven't replaced him really they're relying on Brereton and Sam Gallagher at the moment for the goals but can you really rely on them to get double figures across the course of this season only time will tell Brereton Diaz in fairness to him does look a different player to the one that we've seen in the past couple of seasons so we'll wait and see on that one my other concern is their squad looks thin really thin and that was something I raised concerns about not too long ago that Mm -hmm. their squad depth is quite alarming and they've done a few bits of business in the last few days of the window to try and amend that but I'm not sure it's enough because they have four or five injuries then they're really scraping the barrel for players and then the other side who I'm concerned about is Cardiff who are looking a bit short of creativity in the final third considering they had Harry Wilson Shea Ojo uh, Murphy in the season that's just gone up front Mm. um, providing Kiefer Moore with chances now they've got Ryan Giles and then after that you're looking around thinking okay who else is going to be providing chances for big Kiefer up front so they're one side I'm really looking at and thinking okay what how's their season going to go considering they are looking a bit short in creativity in the final third especially when their midfield is more industrious than it is creative what do you think Justin? It's a yeah the Cardiff are an interesting one because again they looked like they were having a good transfer window quite early on Ryan Wintle James Collins to sign on pre-contract deals Um, uh, but as you say they they have lost creativity in the loan loan signings they've got some good young players coming through like some Mark Harris Um, it is one he he fills a bit of a gap but as you say I think it's been a different type of transfer window for Cardiff in the in the sense that they don't have any parachute payments anymore they've had to do it a little bit differently it's going to take one or two windows to to recruit the players that I mean, McCarthy needs to to get his team competitive, um, but one thing that they have now is is good sellable assets that they they haven't had before, the likes of Kiefer Moore, Curtis Nelson, um, Perry Perry NG as well. They're they're a good players at Cardiff. Um, they're going to play three five two, as we know. Um, but one or two injuries up front, Kiefer Moore gets injured, might be struggling. Um, you know, Murphy's gone out on loan as well, could be an issue, but. Could be worse for Cardiff. They could have lost Keith Moore on, the, on transfer deadline day, for example, to Wolves. Could I just check? How did you say Perry then? Perry's second name? I've, I've, I've admitted defeat. It's Perry NG. Good, thank you. And I, I will say this just quickly well, before we get onto the best windows. I've seen a lot of West Brom fans panicking about the lack of business they've done on deadline day. And all I'd say to them is lads there is no reason to panic (laughs) while you know the likes of Fulham and Sheffield United have been very busy um, throughout the transfer window really West Brom have already managed to keep hold of this very tidy squad and you've got Alex Mauer who is probably going to end up being signing of the summer 
uh, at the moment there aren't many there are plenty of contenders but he looks head and shoulders above everyone else really um, and then West Brom fans are acting like they haven't done any other business which is just nonsense really isn't it you've brought in Matt yeah. Clark who I think could be a really solid defender at the back for them and then Jordan Hugo provides a bit of cover up top as well so West Brom fans anyone who's worrying about the lack Relax. and I, I use that with quotation marks lack of business they've done in this window honestly do not worry you've still got a squad that is very capable and looking likely to go up again this season so don't worry about it is all I'd say Justin who would you say has had the best transfer window the the, the first team that springs to mind is is Stoke um, losing Nathan Collins was a bit of a problem but 12 million pounds you're able to then reinvest that into the into the squad and they did that Ben Wilmer at one and a half million pounds is one of the signings of the summer very good ball playing defender surprised Watford allowed him to go he's at a very good age to develop as well and he's he adds a, a, a lovely dimension to that back three um, that that Michael O'Neill will be will be putting uh, implementing this season. Vrancic, we know what he can do. Creativity, he's very good. It's just keeping him fit and firing throughout the season. Um, Sam Surridge again is a very good signing, but it's mainly the outgoings that's impressed me for Stoke. They've cleared a lot of deadwood, a lot of deadwood hanging around from the Premier League, overspending on 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 really average players, let's say, um, and then the likes of. Uh, some of the Gary Rowe signings that were expensive mm. failures and then some of the I thought were good signings at the time under Nathan Jones but turned out to be not quite not quite the right fit um, they've cleared a lot of that and I think that's helped them more than let's say bringing in 10 or 15 players uh, costing 3 or 4 million pounds each I think you know, the outgoings has, has really benefited Stoke more than more than anything but even incomings has been very very good for, for, for the Potters this season Quality over quantity take note exactly the, the team on the other side of the Midlands wearing red um, <laughs> yeah uh, for me best window I find it hard to look past QPR because it's easy to forget that <laughs> last season the players who they brought in now um, were not permanent signings last season they were loan signings weren't they so bringing in Johansson Austin Device fantastic bits of business and then you look at the other players they brought in as well the likes of Dazelle Gray McCallum it's just adding more to this already decent squad but it's just bringing in the players you need and it's a very yeah. simple thing to do when you've got a, a position that you look at and think right we need to strengthen there bring in that player Simple as that, and QPR have done it in every single position. You look at their squad now, and compared to last season, they've gone from a squad which was lacking in depth, perhaps lacking in quality in certain positions. Now they've got a very well-rounded squad, not just team, squad. So I'm looking at QPR, and I think they're definitely the side who I'd say have had the best transfer window, and that's the main reason why many people are tipping them to be dark horses I say dark horses grey horses um, <laughs> because they look like they're a very good bet for the top six this season especially considering how they've started as well uh, moving on Justin to a new question this is from Epico Coolio Man he asks which side is doing better or worse than you thought at the start of the season Justin who's we'll start off with worse Who, who's doing worse mm -hmm. than you thought the easy one is Sheffield United isn't it um, I think I think everyone expected them to to at least be a little bit more frugal going forward. Um, in fact, they've probably been the worst attacking team in the division. 
with exception to Forest, potentially. There's a, there's a good argument to be had for, for both of them, although Sheffield United have one or two goals more. Um, but if you look at the quality of their side, they should be performing better. They should at least be performing better. Even if they're not getting results, performances have been pretty poor, especially going forwards. The other one is is obviously if Nottingham Forest are bottom, they've been so blunt in attack that the fans have started to turn in the the, the stands and have been lambasting Chris Hewitt. Um So they're two sides really that have not got the starts underway that either side needed because we know the pressure that ramps up for for relegated teams from the Premier League, and we know the pressure at Forest as well. So it's it, they're probably the two worst sides to not get under uh, not to not get good starts underway. Well, yeah, Sheffield United and Forest are the obvious ones, aren't they? Two sides who have got decent squads. I said decent, very good squads, really. Um, and then two good managers as well. Two managers who have got mm. two of the best records we've ever seen at championship levels. So why it's not working out, the only thing you can point the finger is at what's going on behind the scenes, really. Who, who's had the best then, Justin? Who, who, who's surprised you so far this season? I'm looking at Huddersfield. Um, let's be honest, the, the transfer window they had was, I think it was fine. They recruited a lot of older, experienced championship players, um, as well as the likes of Ruffles and Turton, who are again at the wrong end of their twenties. But the, the the signings were fine. Um, got off to a f- okay start with Derby, and then got absolutely battered by Fulham, where they looked atrocious. And then the game against Preston, they won without having a shot on target. There were a lot of red flags, but then they started to pick up and really started going. The likes of Sorba Thomas have surprised. Josh Caroma is getting back to his best after his injury. And they're starting to look a very good functional side going forwards again. It's just whether that whether or not they can keep that because you know it's quite early on in the season. Fourth is a very good position, but a far cry from where I thought they'd be. I thought they'd be near the bottom, twenty goals conceded. I really started to worry after that Fulham game. Yeah, well, Huddersfield were one side I picked out. The other two I've picked out were Coventry, obviously because we see Coventry fans got the backs up because we thought yeah. uh, we, we had them in the bottom three but we had our bottom two of Derby and Blackpool and then the rest we, we had like kind of grouped in and we thought Coventry were probably the worst side out of those grouped mm. in sides hence why we had them in the bottom three um, but yeah they've looked really good we, we always knew when they're good they're a good championship side aren't they because they've got the players there Callum O'Hare has been fantastic yeah. so far this season Um they're a good side it's just what we saw last season where consistency was a problem and defensively they were very leaky at the back as well the other side I wanted to point out was Derby who I think everyone was expecting to just be bottom of the pile for pretty much the whole season but they've started well they've only lost one game haven't they and they've looked a lot better than a lot of people were expecting so fair play to Rooney and Derby County but yeah I think the problems will still arise. It, it, for Derby, I, I'd still have them as my side to finish bottom if I were to do my league table again. Because as the season goes on, when teams start picking up injuries, because every team has their injuries, that's going to be a problem for Derby. Because they've got a good starting eleven. It's just the rest of the squad where they haven't really got many other senior yeah. players. So that's going to be an issue as as things progress. But fair play to Derby for the start they've had. It's you got to take the hats off, haven't you? Harrison asks, what is the best stadium in the championship? Justin Peach. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting one. It depends It depends what your your choice of drink is, let's say. Mm. If you like a modern ground, going to the likes of uh, Derby, uh, Hull, that might that might 
that might go go your way. But if you're if you're a fan of the old school, I think you can't look past the likes of Fulham. Fulham's always a good away day. Shelby United is one of my favourite grounds. Yeah, even as a Derby fan, I love going to the City Ground. It's one of the best atmospheres um, on Derby Day um, around in the in in the, the country for me. So I think there there are a few that I really like. If you like the old school grounds or well, QPR. Um, is a ground I really want to go to. I've still not been. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to say it. Um, it's very hard to pick one ground, isn't it? I, I'm very much an old-fashioned kind of ground man. Um, Kenilworth mm. Road, for me, is just classic <laughs> old stadium. I'm going to be very disappointed when Luton move out because I, I love that ground. It's just so compact and everything's tight together. When you're on the front row, you are pretty much on the pitch. <laughs> it's a, mm. it, it's an experience that you don't have at any other ground really. Uh, Craven Cottage, obviously, because it's nice in the ground. It's nice outside the ground. You're in West London, can't really complain, can you? So their, yeah, Craven Cottage in Kenilworth Road for me. Their new stand looks absolutely fantastic, by the way. Um, I saw a it. picture of it in in all its glory. Uh, I saw a picture of it and it looks brilliant. It looks really, really good. We'll have to have a look. Dean asks, has anyone found Callum O'Hare yet? So for, so <laughs> for anyone who isn't aware, because they're not a Coventry fan or just generally doesn't care, I said at the start of the season that Callum O'Hare had a tendency last season to go missing in games, which is true. But Coventry fans are acting like we've basically said he's crap, which is just nonsense. We really rate Callum O'Hare. He's one of the most exciting young attacking players in the Championship, but because of how modern day society is as soon as you criticize a player then that means you think he's shit here's a message for people that is not the case if i had to criticize callum o'hare it would be that he's not consistent enough if he was more consistent then he'd be playing in the premier league maybe even for england now this season he's been graded just about every game but that wasn't the case in every game last season and to prove it I've compiled a list of games where he produced just one shot or chance created or neither in the championship last season. And that happened, well, you could say that he went missing in those games. It happened 12 times in 40 starts. So that's near enough one in three games. For anyone who's watching on YouTube, here's a list of those games. So for anyone who is a Coventry fan who says that we don't do any research, there you go. Believe it or not, we do watch a lot of championship football, hence why we know so much about it. And just because someone has a different opinion to you doesn't mean they're clueless. And I'm not sure this is actually going to stop commentary fans going on about it. Probably not. But this is the last time I'm going to put any thought into it. So there you go. Let's move on, Justin. Kurt Nogols <laughs> asks, how could it be that some expert pundits thought Forrest had the potential to challenge for promotion? Justin, do you want to take this one? Yep, because I said Forrest had the squad to challenge for promotion. And uh, I still stick by that. When you consider Lyle Taylor and Lewis Graben up front, there's goals there. They've got good young players going forwards, Alex Martin um, and, and Brennan Johnson. But for me, defensively is the reason why I thought they could challenge for promotion. Um, obviously, fullback was was a bit of an issue, but they still had the likes of... I mean, Cole Jenkinson played at Arsenal, for example, at one point, where he was very highly rated by, by Arsenal Menger. I think he even got an England cap, didn't he, at one point? Um, obviously it's a far cry from, from those days but there's a pedigree of player there but the likes of Joe Worrell, Scott McKenna um, even Tobias Figueredo who's posted some really good numbers so far this season there, there, there's, a, there's, there's, there's foundations of a very good squad um, and a very good starting eleven. Uh, it's just getting the players 
functioning in, in Chris Hewton's system, which hasn't been working, admittedly. So for me, Forest do have the players in their squad to to challenge for promotion. It's just getting it out of them. Uh, and as we know, and as we said before, and as we said on this podcast, Forest recruitment over the last few years has, has really let them down in trying to pursue top six, a consistent top six push every season. When you look at it on paper, they've got all the ingredients, haven't they? Quality mm-hmm. squad, young talent coming through, and a, an accomplished championship manager. But it's just not working. And then you've mm-hmm. got to look elsewhere for why that's not the case. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. NCC Dakota asks, which championship manager would win in a bar fight? Um, I was looking at a list of managers in the championship. It's quite hard to call. There are a lot of tough nuts mm. in the championship. Uh, for me, it's between Big Mick, Big Nige, Rooney, and someone I feel is a bit of a dark horse in this equation, Valerian Ishmael, who is becoming an increasingly terrifying manager. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, it's got to be Ishmael, hasn't it? Mm. It has to be. I mean, Skinhead Rooney, if he wanted to bring that back, Skinhead Rooney, I feel like, would be quite terrifying. But Valerian Ishmael, every time you watch him, he's just constantly getting in the faces of referees and scaring them to death. And we saw the confrontation after the uh, Peterborough West Brom game, and he's he's scared me. And he's quite quick, as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's got to be got to be Ishmael. I think back in the day, Scott Parker would have been a good shout, but he's he's uh, he's too he's too pretty now, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, we saw him get hurt, we saw him get hurt in the um, the West Brom game, didn't he? And we felt we felt for him. Um, yeah. Not many not many candidates, I don't think. Lee Bowyer is a good shout as well. Lee Bowyer. Yeah. I, I think you're you're underrating Nigel Pearson here, who. Is is mm-hmm. is the, the kind of guy where after a couple of pints I feel like he can get a bit rowdy. Um, you are an ostrich. You are an ostrich, and now I will defeat you. Uh, Stoke Hub <laughs> asks, "Have you ever tried a Staffordshire oat cake?" Uh, I've no idea what they are. No, no which is quite 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 staggering given that we live so close to Staffordshire. Mm. I th- apparently, there's Derbyshire oat cakes as well, which is. Quite poor. Bosses. I've never, never heard of an oatcake. Is that just a flapjack? I've, I've, I don't even know what it is, really. It's just a cake, a cake made of oats, apparently. P three O two asks: Will there ever be a boy who can swim faster than a shark? Um. Ooh, I'm just trying to think of uh, evolution here in my head. Mm. Um, I think possibly at some point, I would be surprised to see that happen. Maybe in a hundred years or so. When, I think. when when global warming's taken hold and everyone's got fins, then I don't see why not. <laughs> I, I think yes, but we're talking many millennia away from mm-hmm. that actually happening. And finally, Dan Fudge asks, who's your favourite member of Little Mix? I had a heated debate about this the other day. Um Understandably. I think I think it's uh, I think it's Jade. I think her name's Jade. The it's the little Geordie one. The little Geordie. The little Geordie. Yes. yes. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Perry, who I think is very pretty and a fantastic singer. Like, her voice is just astonishing. It makes me wonder how. Because Little Mix, they were made up of singers who didn't get through on the X Factor, if my memory serves mm-hmm. me right. So, how the hell she didn't get through on the X Factor just blows my mind because her voice is staggering and she is also very pretty. Right, Justin, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. Usually this will be taken up by, you know, transfer news, but uh, 
We've only got a few bits going on here, Justin. It's mainly be people being naughty boys. Derby defender Craig Forsyth has been banned for three games after standing on Philip Zinkenagel in the Derby Forest game. We said last week that we didn't think it was worthy of a ban. Shows what we know, Justin. Yeah, um, a lot of people compare. Can you remember when Tyrone Mings stepped on, stepped on in inverted commas yes. on, on Zlatan Ibrahimovic and, and, and got away with it, shall we say? That was a stamp. Um, Craig Forsyth was going backwards. I still don't think it was a stamp. Um, admitting charges and accepting charges, I think, is different. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, it is what it is. Get on with it. Nothing yeah. to debate now. Yeah, I, 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 st- I still think it was an accident, but you know, what do we know? Barnsley's Liam Kitching has been suspended for three games after headbutting Chuck Zaniki during the Barnsley Birmingham game. I've seen this one. This was not a mistake. <laughs> this was, it was an this accident, was, I swear. This was Liam Kitching being a very naughty boy. Um, Middlesbrough defender Mark Boller has been charged with misconduct by the FA over a nine-year-old social media post. It relates to a post which is, quote, insulting and or abusive and or improper, including a reference to sexual orientation. Now, this is a tricky subject because it's not really about football, Justin, obviously. Mm-hmm. But he is 23 now, and this post for, was from when he was 14. Obviously, yeah. I'm not condoning whatever it said because I don't actually know what it said, but punishing people for social media posts from when they were a child I just I just find it a bit silly really but let's move on yeah back to Derby their beef with the EFL continues they've now been charged with not paying transfer fee instalments um wh- why do Derby do this to themselves Justin uh honestly it's it's so grating now it's it's absolutely horrendous I can't can't wait for the name of Morris out of the football club I think every championship fan is sick of hearing um Confrontation of confrontation between the EFL and Derby. It's, it is a joke. Um, it's it's situation after situation and charge after charge. As we know, um, he's the worst owner that I can Im- remember in my lifetime. I'm 27. I've been going to Derby for 20 years now. Yeah, it's worst owner that I know in my lifetime. I think a lot of Derby fans will debate that. Um, but it's a joke. It's not. It's a, yeah. Uh, let's let's cheer things up a bit, shall we? Please. Last week we mentioned how we had a message from a listener in Mexico, which came after we found out we were being listened to in Romania. Well, now we've been getting messages from all over the place, Justin. We had Warren from Vancouver, Spencer nice. from New England. We had a message from Hull City, Australia, Christopher in Adelaide. Keep them coming. That's what I say. It warms the heart. The, the more the obscure, really the better, nice. please. Because uh, Romania and Mexico is still topping that list of uh, obscure places yeah. for me. So, uh, yeah, if you are listening to this in a very random place, let us know. Um, let's finish off with some polls, shall we, Justin? Uh, so this is the part of the show where we ask you three questions on Twitter because we want to get your thoughts on them. So which manager would win in a bar fight? Ishmael, McCarthy, Pearson or Rooney? Our listeners... I've gone with Pearson. 45% said Pearson. 27% said Ishmael. 15% said McCarthy. Only 13% said Rooney. And I feel that's a, that's a bit of an injustice to Rooney because skinhead Rooney is a different beast. Um, which manager would be worst in a bar fight, Justin? This is an interesting one. The options I gave were Corberan, Hewton, Nathan Jones and Marco Silva. Uh, would you agree with those four? I'm I'm looking at the likes of Russell Martin and Scott Parker potentially. Um, uh, but they they, they were hard when they were playing. I, I suppose, but Chris Hewton was a defender. 
he's just a very nice calm man now mm. um, I think he'd, well, he'd want to chat it out rather than fight it yeah. out obviously I, I imagine he's but a bit he, of a can, pa- he can get fiery he can, he can get fiery on the touchline I can. imagine he's a bit of a pacifist now isn't he, he he's like I'm not going to fight you okay um, and Nigel Pearson's getting in his face um, Marco Silva was the pick for me because he just constantly looked like, looks like he's crying and I feel Doesn't like not move very often. Yeah. No, Nathan Jones is another one who he, he can be a bit fiery, but I, I imagine he's a bit like a chihuahua in the way that he's constantly giving it all that. But when it comes to the actual, you know, meat and gravy, he's a mm. he cows out a bit. What do you think? I I'd actually fancy Nathan Jones in a bar fight. Okay, fair to, to like to, to to do to do well to do well. We don't go either fight. way. We don't the, resu- go the results of the polls: thirty-three percent for Chris Hewton, twenty-nine percent for Marco Silva, twenty-two percent for Nathan Jones, sixteen percent for Carlos Corbran. I feel like Carlos Corbran's got away with that as well. And finally, what's the best Oasis song? Champagne Supernova, Don't Look Back in Anger, Live Forever, or Wonderwall? Justin, it's Don't Look Back in Anger. Uh, don't Look Back in Anger won the poll. You're correct there. 30% mm. said that. Uh, Live Forever came second with 27%. That's my choice for me. 24% said Champagne Supernova. 19% said Wonderwall. If you choose Wonderwall, then you're basic. Right, now it's time for this. <laughs> Hi, Simon Grayson Edge. So this is Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Justin, once again, you're on your own. Um, are you feeling nervous about another tormenting time from Simon Grayson? No, I'm, I'm feeling fresh. It was a, it was an okay display last week. Let's go. Let's let's get on with this. Let's roll. I've got All this. right then. So I'm going to ask Justin to name eight of a certain subject. But if he gets one wrong, he loses. Usually we do it with other people. But since it's just Justin, I'm giving him a question that I expect him to get right. So for no reason whatsoever, I've made this week's question about Darren Bent. Possibly because he was on Soccer Saturday yesterday when I was making my notes. Um, but he's played for nine clubs in his career. One of them is Burton Albion. Can you name the remaining eight? How are you thinking about that, Justin? I'm, I'm feeling okay about it. Okay. I'm feeling Good. okay about it. Okay. Well, can you give me an answer, please? Um, Ipswich Town. Yes, that's where he started his career. He scored 54 goals in three seasons. Uh, next one, Justin. Charleston Athletic. Well, yep, he made up the step up to the Prem with them scoring 37 goals in two seasons, which ain't bad, is it? Next one. He then went to Spurs. Yes, he did. He was there for two seasons. I always had it in my mind that that move was a bit of a disaster, but he got 25 goals in two seasons. He was top not scorer that. for one season as well. Yeah, not that bad, really. Mm. Yes, yeah, so, so Spurs is correct. You've got three so far. You've got five more to go. And so far, you're doing it in order. Next one, Justin. He then got his move to Sunderland. He kicked off at Daniel Levy. Um, <laughs> Levy wouldn't uh, accept a bid. Yes, I remember that. 36 goals in one and a half seasons. Bloody hell. That was uh, where he just went mental. I always remember him for the famous beach ball goal beach. against Liverpool. Uh, next one, Justin. Um, he then got his move to Villa, which may be a big move, but it didn't quite work out for him. Yeah, that move was a bit of a disaster. Failed to score double-digit double digit league goals in four seasons at Villa Park. You're absolutely fine here, Justin. You've got five out of eight so far. Are you just going to cruise through this, do you think? 100%, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Next three, then. Uh, we had a loan spell at Brighton. Four games, I think. Five games. Scoring cool. twice. Uh, so, yes, he had a loan spell there. Next one. Well, he then went to Derby, didn't he? 
Yes, he was on loan there before joining permanently and becoming the perennial super sub. So you've got one remaining, Justin. What is it? So you said it's not Burton. Um, oh, hang on. Have you... Uh, oh! oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See, you skipped over it. Um, and I was a bit surprised that you did that. So um, oh, I know you went to... It was at Fulham. I thought I said Fulham. No, you didn't say Fulham. Yes, Fulham yeah. is the one you were missing oh. out. He, he got just three goals in a lone spell there. And as far as I'm aware, he's not the most popular person at Craven Cottage. But Justin... Flying through that, absolutely cruised out through that. Well done. I, I'll be honest with you, I'm a Darren Bent super fan when he was playing. I absolutely loved him. When he was at Derby, I, th- I thought he was a criminally underrated player. I, I, I adored him. The six Would you have remembered Burton if uh, I hadn't given you that? Yeah, because um, he went on loan there and he kept them up, basically, didn't he? I, I didn't realise you were such a Darren Bent super yeah. fan, but... Uh... Fair play. Well done for you for getting a Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight on your ones. Very impressive all round. Right. Well, this is the end of this week's episode of the second tier, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening wherever you are. Just a quick reminder that we're still campaigning for votes for the FCAs. That's the Football Content Awards. We've been nominated for Best Football League Podcast, which we're very excited about. If you could take just 10 seconds of your time to vote for us, it will be very, very much appreciated. There's a link to the uh, voting page uh, in the description of this podcast, or you can just search Football Content Awards in Google and it should come up there. Uh, so, yes, just take 10 seconds every time to vote for us, please. Right. This has been the second tier podcast. Justin, are you going back to your festival in a sec? Yep. So, we've got, we're, we're getting there at two. We're going to watch the Ratons, um, who are a uh, Yorkshire band, and then Pigeon Detectives. I know Pigeon Detectives. Yeah. Yeah, sound yeah, songs of they, the youth. Yeah, they did. Um, I'll never take you back. That one, um, and like that, a, a couple of other ones they did yeah. as well. Yeah, I, I'm aware of their existence. The ratings never heard of them. Very good, very good. Latham's as well. Okay. Very good band. I'm, I'm, I'm Who's headlining these, tonight? Uh, Catfish and the Bottlemen. Really? Yeah. Okay, that surprises me. I, I didn't realise. Uh, I, I thought this was just quite a small time festival, but but that, that's quite a good headliner. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'm quite jealous now. Yeah, it should be. Come down. Why not? No, you're right. (laughs) This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again next week. Um, Unfortunately, it's going to be like this again, where it's uh, we just go through all the games because we're not going to have guests on because I'm at a festival next week. Um, Funny how we're campaigning for votes and we're not doing our normal podcast routine while we're doing that. Um, Just remember what we're usually like, guys. Uh, So, yeah, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday to preview uh, next week's games. I've been Ryan Dokes. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.